following message is by a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. First off, I want to say on behalf of ICC, congratulations to the class of 2020. This was about as strange and crazy as the end of a school year can get, but you all have made it. And we're so proud of you and glad to be celebrating with you today. Graduations are these milestones that mark significant moments of transition in the life of a student. I remember at the end of fifth fifth grade, my elementary school didn't actually have a graduation ceremony, but I had this memory of walking out of my fifth grade classroom, walking into the hallway and grabbing my backpack off of its hook for the last time, and really looking forward to the next year when I would be in junior high and have my own locker and not just a hook. For my bag. I remember my eighth grade graduation, that first feeling of walking across the stage and receiving a diploma, the accompanying feelings of accomplishment and looking forward to being moved into a bigger pond with more fish, moving from a class of 130 junior high students to 650 high school students. And then at my 12th grade graduation, feeling um, like all the work that I had put in up to that moment had finally paid off. I was headed to college, and I felt a deep sense of pride, not only in my own accomplishments, but also in the the accomplishments of all my classmates sitting on the stage with me that day. As I looked through our graduation program and saw their names and all the places where we would go in the following fall. And all that was even more accentuated at my college graduation. That university campus that wasn't just my school, but my home for four years. It stirred in me a deep sense of gratitude gratitude for the opportunities that I had had and for my family and friends and my community, for the ways that God had carried me through because the Lord knows that there were a lot of times when God really needed to carry me through. The transitions were no doubt very exciting and there was a lot to look forward to, but there were also troubles that that were coming, things that were um, obstacles that I would have to face, that I was in a lot of ways unprepared for. Now, the book of Exodus, it begins with the Israelites in slavery for 430 years in the land of Egypt under some harsh kings and rulers. But as the story unfolds, we see the mighty hand of God delivering his people out of that slavery through his servant Moses and then beginning the journey with them to shape them into his covenant community. He showed his power through the plagues and finally broke Pharaoh's stubborn will. So they left Egypt by God's mighty acts of salvation, and God told them that he would lead them into the land of Canaan, the promised land. Now, Canaan was northeast of where where they were in Egypt. But rather than leading them straight there, God leads them in a roundabout way toward the Red Sea. He leads them not only by instructing Moses, but also by his physical presence with them, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of uh, fire by night, giving them protection from the heat in the daytime, and lights to be able to travel through the darkness at night. But after the Israelites left Egypt, Pharaoh hardened his heart again, and he regretted letting the people go. So he gathered up his chariots and his armies, and he went after them. And it was while they were camped by the Red Sea that the Egyptians caught up to them. Now the Israelites were stuck. They were between the sea, the water on one side, and then their enemies approaching them on the other. In some sense, the Israelites, too, at that point, were graduating to the next phase in their life as the people of God, moving on to a new stage. 
but they were going to face trials that they were not prepared to face that would be discouraging and would make them feel hopeless at times. And in our passage for today, in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 to 14, we see the first of these trials. They had just been freed and were getting their first taste of fresh air, but already the Israelites were stuck again and they had no way out. But the main point I want to make today for our graduates and for our church is that it is in these moments when we are stuck and have no other way out that we can most clearly see God's salvation for us. In Exodus 14, verses 10 to 14, we see that in response to their stuckness, the people of Israel look ahead with fear and then they look back with longing, but God tells them to look up with hope. Let's read our passage for today. Exodus 14, verses 10 to 14 reads, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. If we look back at verse 10, we see that the Israelites looked ahead with fear. They were camped right by the sea because God had told them to camp there. God had led them there. And now, coming from the other side, were Pharaoh and his chariots and his armies about to destroy them. They were trapped. No place to run. No way to fight. There are times when we see our circumstances and believe, like the Israelites did, that there's no way out. When we run into these struggles, they can cause us to doubt God's goodness and his providence. God had led his people there to the shore of the Red Sea, knowing that they would be afraid and would want to run. Actually, in Exodus chapter 12, a couple of chapters before this, in verses 17 to 18, Moses writes, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by, the way, by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, heading to the northeast. For God said, let, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led them, led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. He blocked off their escape on purpose so that they could not run from the problem. Only the problem wasn't what the Israelites thought it was on the surface. It wasn't Pharaoh and his armies. The problem was their lack of faith in God. As he was leading his people out of slavery and into the promised land, he had to teach them and train them to trust him again, to put their faith in him again. Now, living by faith doesn't mean that Christians should live with our heads in the sand, pretending like nothing's ever wrong, like, well, God will take care of it, it's fine. But it does mean that we keep everything in proper perspective. It means that we don't allow our momentary troubles to eclipse the memories of God's faithfulness and our faith in his sovereignty. God had just delivered them out of 400 years of slavery by his mighty hand. He had led them to this place by the Red Sea, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew that he was physically present with them because he showed them that he was. But still, when they saw Pharaoh coming, all they could think was, oh no, we're toast. 
God needed to show them and would continue to show them throughout their journey in the wilderness that he is a God who is able to deliver his people out of any and every trouble if only they will trust him to do it. Now, there are going to come times in this next stage that are truly scary, whether you're a fifth grader going into junior high or a junior higher going into high school, high school going to college, college student going to medical school, or any other change, major change in our life. It's uncharted territory. And one of the unfortunate consequences of growing up is that we start facing harder and harder challenges, but we need to remember that God is in the process of shaping our faith. So sometimes he paints us into these corners so that we will see that, yes, my God is able. He is still good, and he is still in control. The second response of the people that we see in this passage is that the Israelites looked back with longing. In verses 11 to 12, it seems crazy, but in that moment, when they were stuck in the Red Sea, seeing the Egyptians chasing after them, they said this to Moses, says, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? They were actually saying that they would have been better off to remain slaves in Egypt rather than being freed, found in the wilderness by the Red Sea. Remember back in Exodus chapter 5, actually, the first time Moses went to Pharaoh, after he'd been called by God at the burning bush, that Moses went to Pharaoh, demanded that he let the people go, and Pharaoh, of course, said no. And he made the Israelites continue to make bricks, but now Pharaoh was angry, saying that these people are, are trying to get out from under me. And so in his anger, Pharaoh demands that they continue to make the same number of bricks that they had made before, but now they wouldn't be given their own straw. They would have to gather the straw themselves. And the people got angry with Moses, saying that he was only making things worse. And in all honesty, actually, they were right. They weren't delivered in that moment from their slavery. And Moses demanding their release did make Pharaoh angry with them. It did force them to do more work. And when Moses cried out to God saying, God, why have you put me in this position? Why did you send me when you knew that this was going to happen? God replied to Moses with a reminder of his promise that he would deliver his people. Like the Israelites, they looked back at their old predicament of slavery and saying that looks so much better than what we're facing right now and sometimes we're the same way we often prefer to sit in our old comforts as you move on to this next um, stage in your in your uh, education your workload is going to increase and your time to do it won't you're going to have more homework to do more reading to do there's going to be more stress more extracurriculars to participate in more responsibilities to take care of and one of our natural responses is to long for the mythological good old days when things were simpler and easier when there were fewer worries and we forget the excitement that we felt when we were leaving behind the last thing to step into this new thing See, when it seemed like they were certainly about to die in the wilderness, the Israelites could say that they had warned Moses that this would happen. And they could say that it would have been better just to stay in Egypt and that they hadn't asked for any of this. But two things tell us that that's pretty far from the truth. The first is that in Exodus chapter 6, verse 5, as God is reminding Moses of his promise, he says, Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. The Israelites were rightly crying out to God for salvation. 
The second is that when Pharaoh finally relented and told the Israelites to get out, when Moses instructed the Israelites about the Passover and how the Lord was going to deliver them, carry them out of Egypt that very night, none of them voiced these objections to him then. Clearly, the Israelites wanted to get out from under the hand of their oppressors. But facing difficult situations will do this to us. Them being trapped at the Red Sea with the Egyptians chasing after them made it so that they, in their minds they were glorifying the past and saying, we wish we could go back there because at least that looks more, um, more pleasant than what we're facing now. But just as the Israelites were stuck physically between the sea and Pharaoh's army, they were also stuck, as all of us are, in the present moment. No way to go back to the past, no way to jump through to the future. If the Israelites were able to look at their past soberly, they would have seen how miserable their state in Egypt had really been. They would have remembered not only how miserable they were, but how strong the hand of the Lord was in delivering them, bringing them to the place where they were right now. They would have remembered the promises that were made to their forefathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, and all the ways that God had sustained his people. So rather than longing to return to that past, they would have learned from it that God is forever faithful and they would have pressed on into the future that God had for them. And in fact, that's exactly what God wanted them to do. In verses 13 to 14, we see that the Israelites, God calls them to look up with hope, not to look ahead in fear, not to look back with longing, but to look up with hope. Moses declares to the people that they would witness God's deliverance once again. He says, fear not, stand firm. Don't keep focusing on how massive this enemy before you is. Don't be shaken to try to run to the past. And you will see the salvation of the Lord. Friends, no matter what life throws at us, God is our hope. He's the one who is able to deliver God had brought them out of Egypt and led them to the sea for this very purpose. He did it for his glory so that he could show them his mighty hand once again, so that he could show them he is trustworthy. He delivered them out of their seemingly undeliverable troubles. But God did it for his own glory, not in the way that an egomaniac does at the expense of others. He didn't force his people into a tough situation just so that he could come out looking better, even though it was going to be just hardship for them. With God, his glory and our good are not mutually exclusive. He's rightly self-glorifying, but he's not self-serving. He's doing it for his glory and for the people's good so that they will experientially know God's providence and deliverance. He wanted to show his people and the rest of the world that he is the God who saves. In verse 10, it says that they lifted their eyes, but they didn't lift them high enough because they lifted them enough to just see the problem. They saw the Egyptians and feared. But if they had gone a little bit farther, they would have seen the solution. They would have seen the God who was with them in that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire. They would have remembered the deliverance that they experienced out of slavery by God's mighty hand. So God tells them not only that he would save them by his mighty hand, but that they would never even see those Egyptians ever again. And of course, we know how this story ends. 
God parts the Red Sea and the people cross over on dry land. And when the Egyptians chase after them, the waters crash over them, destroying them. And God rescues his people just as he said he would. Now we know that we're celebrating our graduations today. But I do think this is a moment in history where it's important enough for us to uh, take a little bit of time today to speak about this Black Lives Matter movement that's going on in our nation. The attention that's been drawn to the systemic racism and prejudice and inequalities that are so deeply ingrained in our society. When we look at all the evidence of of the historical and present present injustices, it may be tempting to respond in fear, to be overwhelmed by its enormity and to be paralyzed by uncertainty. We may be hesitant to rock the boat because we've grown so used to how things are and they don't seem quite so bad. And if we stir up trouble, then things could definitely get worse the way that they did for the Israelites. I believe that God in this present moment is calling his people to respond with hope that our God is the God who rescues and delivers. He's the one that um, is the solution for the problem that seems too large for us or for anybody else to solve. He's the one that is able to uproot the sin that bears that ugly fruit of hatred and fear of those who are different from us. He longs for us to hope that God is on the side of justice and he fights for the oppressed and he promises all of his people from every nation, tribe, and tongue that I have heard the groaning of the people and I have remembered my covenant. That we would hope that we can fear not our enemies and stand firm in our convictions and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. That as the Israelites would never see those Egyptians again, that in the same way there will come a day when we will no longer see racism and prejudice rear its ugly head again. That there is a final victory in the Lord for which we are all waiting as his people. That there is a hope that the kingdom of God in all of its perfection and beauty are an absolute certainty in the future. Where Christ's grace unites and sanctified sinners And peace reigns and justice rolls. As a nation, as we step into this next chapter, there will be challenges and resistance to lasting change. But may we continue to hope in the Lord so that we might see a salvation. Now I also want to say that this hope doesn't come at the expense of action. This is not saying that you ought to just pray and hope that something is going to happen, that God is going to do something for his people. But we see in the following verses in in Exodus 14 that God tells Moses not to just stand there and keep praying, but to move. He tells him to, to, to spread your hands over the waters and let it part, to tell the people to walk across, to use his staff and point it out there so that God can deliver them. The hope that we have in God is a hope that drives his people to action. So my prayer for our church, for our nation, for our graduating class of 2020, is that we all might live according to this hope. That we'll be moved by the vision of what our world can be 
by God's power, by his grace, so that we will move and act. Graduates of the class of 2020, as you each step into this next chapter of your lives, when you are stuck in those hard places where it seems like there is no way out, may you also continue to hope in the Lord and to see his salvation. You should bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for the hope that we have in Christ, in you, for deliverance out of any and every trouble that we may face. We pray for all of our graduates as they move on to this next stage in their education, as they move on to their new schools, as they move into the youth group, graduate out of the youth group. Lord, that whatever may come their way, Lord, that you would plant in their hearts a seed of this hope, this vision of what you are able to do for your people, the deliverance that you promise for each and every one of us. Father God, I pray that in those moments when it is hard for them to press on, when it is hard for them to um, trust in you and to believe that the moment that they're in right now, that you are still there with them. Father, that you would remind them of your presence. That you would help them to continue to lift their eyes, not only to see the problem, but to see the solution in you. Father God, we pray for our nation that you would help us to keep on striving forward in that same hope. God, we thank you so much for being a God who is always faithful, that we do not hope in vain, that we do not wait for a Savior who doesn't come, but Lord, that you are always faithful to keep your promises to the very end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.